You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 556 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, August 21st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Although there have not been many episodes of the podcast lately because I was on vacation. And I appreciate you putting up with me taking uh, almost three weeks off. It was much needed. It was uh, a long playoff run from which there was not much of a reprieve, and so I decided to go out east for a couple weeks where there was no Wi-Fi, couldn't record any episodes. I appreciate you uh, subscribing, rating, and reviewing nonetheless in that meantime, and uh, my guest today, on my return to the podcast, did was so kind as to fill in for an episode while I was gone to fill the gap. It's in fact Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Not much, man. Sorry I couldn't do more than the one. It was just... Kind of caught up with all the busyness of getting back into the grind of work after I took some time off. So, man, you have nothing uh, to apologize for. There is dick all to talk about. So, <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? We're gonna manufacture some content today anyway because we love you. And uh, yeah, so we got a mailbag for you today, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. I like doing the mailbags with Vivek. Sometimes I do them solo, but it's more fun to have a person to bounce stuff off of. I think so. Um, we're just gonna answer. I, first- Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying I am a person. You are a person, uh, a smart person at that, who does good work, and I'm glad to have you, uh, I'm glad to be talking to you again, man. It's been a while. I, I Today was the first time that I got the itch to watch the Raptors in a while. I saw a clip on Twitter of Pascal Siakam hitting a mid-range jumper in one of the games of the finals. I can't remember which game it was. And that was like, oh yeah, we get to watch Pascal Siakam punk dudes all season long. I'm excited for that. And that's what got me uh, back into the the want to watch the Raptors. I also reordered a sweater that they lost from NBA.com, like a championship sweater that I thought was out of stock, and then it came back into stock, and then I ordered it. And so that's on the way today, too. So I'm feeling Raptors-y today. It, it's, it was a while there where I was just like, I'm done with basketball for a little bit here, but... I'm doing well now, and I'm ready for, like, media day in a month. Where are you at in terms of your uh, basketball appetite? I think I haven't thought about basketball much the last couple of weeks just because the Premier League is back, Mm. and I've been super excited about that. So just following along with that, trying to see if there's any... Obviously, in England, the transfer window is over, but... Um, some of the other leagues are still able to make transfers, so staying on top of that. Um, and then besides that, just staying up to date on everything that's going on with Team Canada. Um, I think NBA-wise, I've sort of just been enjoying the break. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, what's left of Team Canada uh, <laughs> can pull off can pull off uh, a big big upset and get some crazy stuff done with Nick Nurse. Well, I'm glad you've avoided the typical August discourse on NBA internet of like, let's compare the 45th best player in the league with the 46th best player in the league. Who's better? Uh, I'm glad to see you steer clear of that. And yeah, you know what, man, like I have spent way less time on Twitter over the last couple of months, pretty much since since I went on vacation. Since you so went viral. <laughs> 
Yeah, pretty much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Gave the people what they wanted and then I just dipped. Um, So, yeah, pretty much since the second week of July, I've just been kind of off the grid in terms of Twitter. uh, And it's been it's been really nice. I think I think I'll be a lot more refreshed when I come back to it. I think the only time I've really been on Twitter is to sort of post mm-hmm. uh, my stories that I've been doing about Team Canada, and outside of that, it's been it's been good. It's been very refreshing and um, good for my mental health. I think, and just uh, I've done a lot more reading as well with my time, and just been a lot more productive and focused in general. Yeah, I read three whole-ass books while I was on vacation. It's amazing what you can read when you're not scrolling Twitter for six hours a day. Um, that was nice. <laughs> uh, and I, One of the books I read was Beta Ball by Eric Malinowski. It was about the Warriors. It kind of goes up until they sign Kevin Durant. And it was just kind of nice knowing how this all ends as I'm reading it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the Warriors, they were so great until... <laughs> and... Uh, I enjoyed it. I had a Raptors bookmark that I was using to plunge into it every time I stopped reading it. Um, very good book. You should read it if you if you are interested in how the Warriors got good. I hate Joe Lacob. That's my takeaway from the book is, God, that guy is exhausting. But he did a very good job building the team, so that's good, I suppose. Um, yeah, not looking at the internet is uh, highly recommended. There were days where I just, like, leave my phone beside my bed and just go to the beach all day and not look at it at all. Until I needed to check Bobachette updates, and that was it. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're not doing that anymore. I'm back fully online. We got the notifications uh, with, with all of the Twitter questions to read off here. So you're ready to... Uh, actually, before we do that, let's talk about Team Canada for just a second. I know I said before I went on vacation that uh, this was going to turn into a very heavy Team Canada podcast when I got back, and it still will be, but... I'd said that thinking like, oh yeah, Jamal Murray's going to be there, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to be there, even Chris Boucher is going to be there. Uh, obviously, that's not the case anymore, and there is currently one NBA player in Kem Birch on Team Canada, uh, finishing out their pre-tournament schedule for the People World Cup in Australia right now. I guess they played New Zealand, I'm not sure if that was in New Zealand or Australia, who cares, but same thing. Um... Although I guess any Aussies or New Zealanders who are listening may disagree, but I don't really care that much about that. Um, but yeah, it's a very different team than what we thought it was going to be, and maybe Corey Joseph joins them at, be, as a healthy player for the FIBA World Cup after the after the pre-tournament games, but uh, assuming that doesn't happen, because I'm kind of at the point of assuming that won't happen, uh, it's a very different team than we thought it was going to be, not very heavy on NBA talent. We'll still talk about it, and we'll do that right now as well. Vivek, you've covered them pretty extensively the last little while here watching all the games you were at the game against Nigeria the first uh pre-tournament game where Kelly Olynyk went down which was a big big loss uh what are your like lingering team Canada takes right now are you feeling good about the team are you expecting a first round loss it's uh it's not as exciting as we thought it was going to be and that's kind of a bummer yeah it's, it's definitely not as exciting as we thought it or hoped it, it could be um, you know, when you look at all the names that have dropped out uh, in terms of the NBA guys, but I, I've still had a ton of fun watching this team play. And, you know, guys like Kevin Pangos, the way Andrew Nembard at age 19 has stepped his game up, Melvin Edgem being a glue guy that can do a whole bunch of things out on the floor. Um, 
and you know even O'Shea Brissett trying to be like a Melvin Edgem light and do all the things that Edgem does when Edgem's not on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got Kyle Wilcher hitting threes from the outside. You got Ken Birch trying to do his thing inside. Um, and then someone like Phil Scrub who's had his moments where he's stepped up. So I've really enjoyed watching this team. Uh, I look forward to these guys giving their all and you know as much as you might want to be frustrated with the NBA guys not being there. These are the guys that have made the commitment, so why not support them? And so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. They're obviously extremely well coached, and I think that's reflected in the results thus far, especially going 3-1 and one, uh, in the four games against Australia and New Zealand. I think that 90-70 uh, to win over Australia on the first uh, game of, that, uh, of their sort of Australia trip uh, is a big confidence boost uh, in terms of what they can do when, when they are hitting their shots because the defense uh, actually looks pretty good. So um, as long as the offense can continue to fire, as long as Kevin Pangos can continue to lead them, I expect that Australia game, which should prove pers- uh, decisive in terms of them getting to the second round, I do expect that to be a very tight game uh, that probably goes down to the wire. Yeah, there are a lot of, I mean, I guess... Silver Linings is maybe a little strong, but there are a lot of nice little sort of nuggets that you can pinpoint as to why you should be excited about watching this team, even without all the NBA guys. I mean, obviously, qualifying is going to be a lot harder, and being one of those top two America's teams feels pretty unrealistic. I think you could probably put Brazil even ahead of Canada right now in terms of just, like, raw talent. I think, you know, Argentina is always there, the States, obviously. Like, it's not going to be easy at all. And just getting out of the group is going to be a chore because it's the hardest group in, in the first round as well. But, like, getting to watch Kevin Pangos, who I think if they went with, like, the roster they would have wanted, Pangos might have been a casualty of that just because of the guard depth they would have had if they had Corey Joseph and Shea and Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Jamal Murray. Like, that might have just left Kevin Pangos out of the loop entirely. And that's not entirely fair because that dude is really, really good. He plays for Barcelona. Like, he's... An excellent international player. He has had a long tenure of just like playing for Canada and being a soldier for the program. And it's cool that he gets the opportunity to potentially, you know, be one of the lead guys on a team that can clinch an auto bid to the to the Olympics if everything goes perfectly. And I think that's a really cool story. I think looking at Andrew Nembard, as you mentioned, that guy's going to get drafted. You would think next year, and it's pretty cool to see him use this platform the way, say, Jamal Murray did for the 2015 Pan Am Games as sort of a, all right, look at me, and sort of a coming out party ahead of actually making the NBA. And it's cool to see him sort of take on such a scoring burden. I mean, I guess like one of the big gaps in the roster when you lose Murray and Wiggins doesn't show up and you lose all of your best players is that there's really sort of a a void when it comes to like creation and on-the-ball scoring, and Nembard can kind of provide that. And that's kind of cool. He gets to flex those muscles in a situation where, you know, if things broke differently, he would have not had that opportunity at all. Maybe he doesn't even get to go to Australia with the team for the pre-tournament stuff. So that's cool. O'Shea Brissett, obviously, the Raptors connection, he's on the Exhibit 10, 
and will likely be a pretty counted-on name for the 905 this season, so it's cool to see him get a bit of run under Nick Nurse. Obviously, he won't be coached by Nick Nurse, but the, the whole influence of the organization is there. And then, I mean, as a Carlton guy, the scrubs, baby. Give me Phil Scrub putting up those buckets. <laughs> I'm all for that, man. Uh, it'll be fun. I, I don't expect a lot. I think it'll probably be a, a quick tournament. I think they probably play the three games and are done. But if they can pull that Australia game early, that changes the geometry and the complexion of the tournament pretty significantly. And uh, we'll cover it on the podcast. So that'll be it for now. And we'll uh, revisit Team Canada as it calls for. I think they play the States on the 26th, which is Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, or Monday. And we will uh, talk about that when it comes. All right, let's get to the mailbag, shall we? Uh, we shall. All right, question number one. This one comes from uh, our pal Assad at Swar Lasers. I, in the, the, minimum, the minimal amount I was looking at the internet while I was away... I saw him trying to make this a conversation, and uh, I guess we can indulge him a little bit here. He was going off about how Chris Bosch was terribly unmemorable, which is not entirely untrue. And he asked, who is the least memorable Raptor that is more memorable than Chris Bosch? First of all, do you agree that Chris Bosch is an unmemorable Raptor? No. No? I disagree completely, and so I will not indulge in this, because <laughs> for me... I came to this country in 2002, mm. and Chris Bosch got drafted a year later. And so, you know, for me, when I think about Chris Bosch, you know, I, I, I remember the rookie year when the Raptors were playing against Houston and he hits that three. Uh, I think about those games that he had against KG, and people were making those comparisons, and, you know, that up and under move that he had against Kevin Garnett that had the crowd going crazy. Um, I think, you know, I remember the the step back game winner that he hit on Al Horford in the St. Patrick's jersey, um, and then those, those playoff games too. Like, sure, okay, they they lost in the first round both times, but you know that that series against New Jersey uh, back when they were still in New Jersey was a lot of fun. And you know, if Jose Calderon throws that ball a little higher over Richard Jefferson, you're going to a game seven in Toronto, and who knows what happens there. Um, going up against Vince so uh, for me I think that really sort of heightened my uh, Raptors in- interest piqued my Raptors interest to the point where I'm at where I'm at now so um, no Chris Bosch's era was highly memorable for me um, and frankly uh, someone much bigger than I Blake Murphy also uh, has talked about how he became a huge fan during this era so uh, if you're talking about getting the guy Blake Murphy out of this, I don't see how you can call the Chris Bosch era uh, <laughs> unmemorable. Yeah, I think if you're comparing Bosch to like the other stars in franchise history, then yes, he's obviously less sort of notable than Vince or Larry and DeRozan or even Kawhi. But like, I think I'm with you in that that era was sort of like the rebound from the Vince sort of divorce and how ugly that all was. And... That 07 season, the 06 07 season, where Bosch kind of became what he became in sort of full fled, full fledged light. And then we saw, you know, Sam Mitchell, one coach of the year. Yes, the Eastern Conference was absolute dog shit that year, and they were a pretty weak three seed, but that was the first taste of good basketball Raptors fans had had in many, many years. And 
for me, like, I don't really have those standout moments of Chris Bosch the way it sounds like you do, where you can remember individual games. Like, I have way more of those with DeMar or with Vince, but the thing I remember about the Chris Bosch is just like... Pitch. Sorry, go ahead. The car salesman pitch. I mean, that was amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you know, you know what's the other thing that comes to mind now when you bring up uh, sort of transitioning from that Vince divorce uh, to the Chris Bosch era? is this was a time when Vince didn't want to play for Toronto. Mm-hmm. wasn't giving his all for the Raptors. And I specifically remember a game where the Raptors were on this horrendous losing streak, and Chris Boss was on the bench crying yeah, because losing hurt that much. And as someone that at that time that wanted to see someone that cared compared to what Vince was doing, that meant a lot. Yeah, I... This this is a bad take, Assad. <laughs> I I I agree. And like I was gonna say, I, I don't think Bosch has like again the memorable individual moments that uh, at least not in my mind that, that that you just detailed. I think for me, what I just remember about Chris Bosch was just how consistently dope he was, and like every single game, it seemed like he was putting up twenty four and ten. And the double-double yeah. counter was always like a thing that they had on the broadcast, and that was always exciting. And it. That was also kind of coincided with, like, the early Brian Colangelo era where he brought in all the European guys and they kind of skirted around the perception that Toronto was not a destination by going with the European sort of mode and getting all those guys. You got Anthony Parker and Garbajosa and Calderon, and that kind of changed what you could believe was possible for their franchise. I mean, you're never going to get a transcendent superstar who comes over from Europe at age 30 or whatever, but... I do think it kind of changed the perception of what the Raptors were as a franchise. And, yeah, it fell apart pretty quickly. And the Jermaine O'Neal deal was very bad and stupid. That wasn't on Chris Bosh. And I think by the end, I almost just felt bad for Bosh. And in hindsight, I'm glad he left because the years that followed him leaving were an absolute catastrophe. And I'm not sure him being there would have made it any more any better. I think it would have just made them a little bit more mediocre and a little more middle of the table and would have made it even more difficult to execute any sort of rebuild and so i have no ill will towards chris bosh that he was able to get a title before it was all said and done yeah yeah absolutely i I, yeah i'm happy that things happened the way they did i guess you can say that entirely like from the start of the franchise to now because they won the title so everything that happened sort of in some weird butterfly effect ass way led to the raptors winning the title so i'm happy about all of it but i yeah the bosh era for me Again, he wasn't, like, the, the sexiest player in the world, but he was dependably awesome, and he was a victim of a pretty bad supporting cast most of the time. I mean, his best... what was Who was the best teammate he ever played with? Was it TJ Ford? I think when you look at actual accomplishments with the Raptors during Chris Bosh's era, I would have to say it was Jose Calderon. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think TJ Ford had excellent potential and it looked like they were forming something special. I mean, and and you look at TJ's ability to carry the team in moments that he felt the need to, like you think about that, you know, those, uh, that game winner he hit on, on that West Coast road trip. Um, and then just sort of stepping up in big moments, I think. Uh, probably one of my favorite memories from that era is when 
Uh, is that is you know that game six or when even though Jose blew it at the end, I thought both of them combined uh, to play an incredible game at point guard because Jason Kidd was pretty much dominating that series, and then finally in game six you got incredible games from both Jose and TJ mm-hmm. uh, um, that helped the Raptors bring it down to the final shot. So yeah, I would probably go with Jose as being the best player uh, outside of Chris Bosh during that era. Um, but again, that speaks to how bad his supporting cast were. I love Jose, but like, come on. Exactly. That That is exactly <laughs> the point. Yeah. Chris Bosh was clearly a top 10 player in the league at that time. Mm-hmm. And he had no help around him. Yeah. Like, Hito Turkoglu was signed like he was supposed to be this big savior. Like, Hito Turkoglu? Really? That was the guy? <laughs> Fat pizza munching Hito, yeah. Jermaine O'Neal was supposed to be a big difference maker. Like, come on. Do like, you remember the Bosch? Were you excited when the Jermaine O'Neal thing happened? I was dumb and fifteen and like, hell yeah, Jermaine O'Neal, let's do this thing. Uh, in hindsight, <laughs> he might have just been washed at that point. I I don't know. That was that was weird. I remember going to the home opener that season. <laughs> Um, and they played the Warriors and it went to overtime and Bosch was incredible and this was when they had the uh, the black jerseys with the red piping mm. um, I think they were debuting those black ones and that was a really fun night and you know this is when Chris Bosch was like full Chris Bosch mm-hmm. um, and yeah man like I, I, I would have loved to see that Raptors team with someone real next to him. You know, like, you, you even think about what that Raptors team was before Jorge Garbajosa got injured. Oof. And that was, that was a fun team to watch, man. Anthony Parker at shooting guard. You had Chris Bosh doing his thing. You had Mo Pete in the mix. Like, I enjoyed watching that team. Anthony um, Parker, forever actually better than Morris Peterson, even though people love Mo Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, man. yeah. I, I mean, I still, I still stand by the fact that uh, the Raptors would would have beat the Nets if Joey Graham didn't start what the first three games of that series. <laughs> man, Luke Jackson got run in that series. What the fuck was yeah. Sam doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh man, well, this has been a fun reminiscent uh, reminiscing of the uh, Chris Bosh era. Yeah, well, it's so much easier to do now. I know. There's so much less pain attached. I don't feel sick when I talk about this stuff. <laughs> that series loss to the Magic doesn't even hurt me anymore. Yeah. I mean, it didn't hurt me anyway. It was kind of the most uh, just pathetic excuse of a playoff run anyway. So maybe it wasn't. It was never destined to be anything great. But I mean, the NBA was also like pumping the tires of that whole Superman narrative for Dwight Howard and you could stand in the paint for like 20 seconds at a time and it didn't matter. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, poor Rasho didn't have a chance. Uh, was Rasho still the center in that series? I don't even know. All these years kind of blend together for me. Like, it's a, lo- it's a pretty long era, the Chris Bosh era. You don't really realize it. But I think it kind of speaks to his lack of, like, standout moments as an individual. I mean, again, like, the whole run was very excellent, and he was consistently dominant, but the 
the standout I moments think, don't really like you can't really define years based on what Chris Bosh did. He just put up twenty three and 12, ten every year, and it was just like, oh yeah, that that was just another Chris Bosh year. Yeah, because it would have been nice if he had a second player beside him. Yeah. Um, no, but I I also think people like to hate on him just because of the stuff he's said about you know customs and and yeah. TV and that kind of stuff, and it is what it is. That is you know? some real uh, Fox Sports Radio ass stuff, but. Uh, other than that, Chris Bosch is extremely likable and gregarious and sweet, and I hope he's on TV a lot because he's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to another mailbag question, shall we? Yes. Uh, all right. Next question here comes from. So there's one question here. This feels maybe I'm just reading it wrong, but this feels pretty easy to answer. Eric Morris sent us a list of players who wore the same number and asked us to choose who's better between those players who wore the same number. I feel like these are all pretty easy, except for maybe one. Um, But let me throw it to you. Norm Powell or Morris Peterson with number 24? So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Mo Pete on that one, unless unless they're playing the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes. I, I'm almost inclined to give it to Norm just because he saved their asses in the playoffs so many inexplicable times. And yes, Mo Pete did a nice thing against the Wizards and was very good for a long time and had the Iron Man streak everyone cared about a lot. But uh, Mo Pete's career is not all that impressive to me with the Raptors. I'm like a. For some reason, I've become like the anti Mo Pete guy, which is a weird hill to be on as a Raptors fan, but I think he was just kind of. The the love for him is very much born out of how pathetic the franchise had been to that point. And it was just like, oh my god, this guy likes us and he plays every game. This is amazing. He's better, he's more than he actually is. I, so I also sh- think that when, when you're having crappy years, mm-hmm. um, you appreciate highlight real stuff more. Mm-hmm. And all those circus shots <laughs> really added up. The, blind, the blindfold thing is iconic, that's for sure. It's, it's why people love the young guns too, right? Like, they lost a shit ton of games, but they were fun. Yeah. And so, yeah. I also like Norm because he does cool dunks. I don't know if Mo Pete ever actually dunked. I can't, yeah. I can't think of a Mo Pete dunk. Uh, I'm pretty sure he, he's like thrown down on a couple people at least well then I guess we're now looking up Morris Peterson dunks <laughs> uh, uh, oh there's one in from college if you're if the first one that comes up is a college dunk I don't think he did many good dunks <laughs> did you just pull up a dunk I heard a bit of a video play yeah 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 there we go so like All a right. soft two hand finish yeah, All right. I'll give you that. Yeah, uh, Mo Pete, non-dunker. So yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take Norm in that toss up. This next one is like not even close. Jamario Moon or Antonio Davis? That feels they both were number thirty-three. Obviously, Jamario yeah. Moon may have been a little bit more like flash in the pan fun for a little bit, but Antonio right. Davis was an all-star for the Raptors. Maybe deserved, maybe not, but. Like, there's just no doubt that he was better than Jamario. Yeah, there's no doubt. Anthony Davis, hands hands down. Uh, sorry, Antonio Davis. <laughs> uh, Anthony Davis, too. Um, 
Uh, hands down better than Jamario Moon. I mean, contributed to big years with the Raptors as well, had big playoff moments. So I don't think there's any debate there. Um, Jamario Moon might be like the fourth best number 33 for the Raptors. Because I'm still mad, I'm, I'm still, I, I, I'm still mad at Jamario Moon, by the way. What are you mad at him for? Like, because he hyped up that dunk contest like he was going to dunk from behind the free throw line. Mm. When Remember that, that little tease he had? Where he put the tape behind the free throw line, and then he jumped from way from way behind the free throw line, and then all you heard was like this finished dunk, but you couldn't actually see it. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh my god, he can actually do it. And then the dunk competition came, and he jumped from inside the line, and I was like, <laughs> guess what, man? All this time for that. Guess what, man? They always jump from inside the line. Even Jordan jumped from and- inside the line. And then he tried to make excuses and was like, oh, I didn't know. They, they all of a sudden made a rule that you had to use a teammate for that for, for that second round or whatever it was. And I was like, come on, man. How are you going to go into a dunk contest and not even know the rules? The teammate thing can be a real asset to you if you use it correctly. I mean, think of some of the best dunks we've seen. Vince, uh, the Steve Nash and Mari Stoudemire duo. Like, it can be an asset to you. Listen to Iguodala, the most underrated uh, dunk that we've seen in a dunk competition and eventually Iguodala getting robbed. Mm. Man, there have been some robberies. The dunk contest feels like maybe the most fixed thing about the NBA sometimes. Like Blake Griffin winning over Serge and DeRozan was... was Who was the other guy in there? It was someone else good. And it was Um, a robbery. Was was that the one where JaVale McGee... The, yes. The, yes. The two. The two balls. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. 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 So, but anyway, Jamario like Moon over the front of a Kia. I was like, come yeah, on. The front of a Kia. Yeah. The front of a Kia. Real bummer. Real bummer. Uh, but yeah, among thirty threes for the Raptors, Carlos Rogers, who oh, I guess is probably not quite as good as Jamario Moon, but he was a part of the first team. Uh, early on, there was Brad Lowhouse, who was very bad. Gary Trent, who only played like eight games. Michael Bradley was very bad, despite being a killer college player for Villanova. But Mark Gasol wore number 33. He's very clearly better than Jamario Moon, even in just 27 games plus the playoffs. And one more good year? He, like, flirts with Antonio Davis because he's got the title, maybe? I don't know. These are all the ranking every Raptor uh, conundrums I have to think about when I do the the list. But uh, if, you, if you can have like a Memphian, is that the word? Yes. Like year, next year, next season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he might he may surpass Antonio Davis. We actually have a question about that coming up, so uh, we'll we'll put a pin in that one. Uh, next question here comes from Frank at Raps All Day Six One Four. He asks, uh, when's the updated ranking every Raptor coming out? That I said was going to come out before I went on vacation, and I lied. It's actually going to come out probably in the next couple weeks here, so keep an eye out. I, I think there's a couple days where I'll ha- be able to sort of put all my time into it. I would say by the end of Labor Day week, it'll be out. Uh, he also says, Burger King or McDonald's? I'll, I'll, I'll give this one to you first, Vivek. Burger King or McDonald's? Burger King or McDonald's, um, late night after a night out, um, and fairly inebriated, give me 
my two junior chickens mm. from McDonald's and I am good to go. Um, but sometimes if I, if I just really need to get something in my system during the day, um, and I'm driving around, I will probably go to Burger King and get myself one of those original chicken sandwiches. Oh yeah. Like the, the, the sub style one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, Burger King is so far down the list for me. It's like McDonald's is too. And having just driven to Atlanta, Canada, I don't know if you know this, but every single stop where there's food on the way to and from Nova Scotia, it's only McDonald's. There, it's McDonald's or Tim Hortons, which their food doesn't count because it's just sponges in different shapes. Um, but McDonald's is the only thing you can get. I had McDonald's three times in two days when I was driving back from out east. I didn't hate it. I had got like the Big Mac. Did so, you get the three dollar Big Mac? Yeah. So here's the thing: with a three dollar Big Mac, it becomes really financially viable to do what you should always do at McDonald's and is forego fries and instead get McNuggets, whether it's a six piece or ten piece. So if you mm. get a $3 Big Mac plus just the 10-piece nuggets on their own, you're laughing because that still comes in under 10 bucks, And that is the best way to eat McDonald's. I did that. It was great. Uh, Burger King I haven't had probably in like – there was a Burger King like near my high school that I went to when I was in high school. It's probably been since then since I had Burger King. And their chicken sandwich is okay. But, I mean, this is the week for chicken sandwiches debates, I suppose. I find their sandwich to be not even anywhere close to the tier of the the heavy hitters that have been thrown around the internet uh, ad nauseum this week. Uh, do you have a, an opinion on the chicken sandwich thing? <laughs> um, I mean, to be completely honest with you, when I'm really craving some fried chicken, I just go to Popeyes and get the spicy chicken tenders. Yep, that's the answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a sandwich guy in general so I just get the tenders um, and yeah what I, what I usually do is I get the I get the tenders I get the fries and the Popeyes that's next to me uh, you know there's a bubble tea place right next to it so I usually just go mm. right over and get some bubble tea after I, I agree with everything you just said except for getting fries you should get the rice and beans it's the best fast food side dish and I don't think it's particularly close it's insanely good Really, but you know, you know the whole key to the fries, and so so what what you do is you get the sweet heat dipping sauce for the fries. Okay. But but then you get the spicy mayo for the chicken tenders. Well, I go blackened ranch. That's my go-to. I get that for both typically. If so I get the get spicy fries. mayo next time. Okay. And help me change your life. Okay. Look, I'm open to it. I mean, the spicy chicken tender is the best fast food item, period. I'm always in in, in the market for ways to elevate it even further. But, and yeah. if, if, if they're charging you a whole dollar for the spicy mayo, you're at the wrong Popeyes. <laughs> no way it should be more than... Most places charge like 30, 35 cents. Now, my Popeyes, I've figured out that if you go in late enough, they'll give you extra stuff. Like, I, I yeah, got a chicken tenders combo, and they threw in, like, all right, here, have mashed potatoes and also rice and beans. Uh, okay. <laughs> sure. Sounds good to me. Uh, yeah. 
Man, I, you could dip a Popeye spicy chicken tender in fucking tar, and it would still taste good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to a basketball-related question. Also, the Wendy's spicy chicken Sponsor sandwich. Sponsor Popeye's. Yeah, the Wendy's spicy saying. chicken sandwich is the best spicy chicken sandwich. I have not tried the Popeye's one. I don't think it's in Canada yet. I look forward to its arrival. Um, and also, don't sleep on Dairy Queen. Everyone sleeps on Dairy Queen's hot eats. The hot eats are pretty damn good. Hey, what's up? I, uh, this... <clears throat> hey, so this podcast went really, really long, so I am going to cut it into two parts. Come back tomorrow for the exciting conclusion of the Mailbag Podcast with myself and Vivek. Hope you enjoyed the first half. Part two tomorrow, and uh, please, again, subscribe, rate, review this podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. It's deeply, deeply appreciated. And uh, check back to the feed tomorrow, and we will have another episode of Locked on Raptors for you. Ready to go, part two of the mailbag.